Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 451 for the 25th of Shvat in a regular year. And today we are going to be continuing with chapter 27. And the topic of today's podcast is delayed gratification. So of course, I cannot talk about this topic without mentioning the very famous marshmallow experiment, which maybe some of you have heard. Um, There were many renditions of this experiment, often trying to check into and research different aspects of delayed gratification. The original study, for those of you that are not familiar, was done in 1970 at Stanford University, where the basic idea of the study and the basic premise is, and the way that it worked, is that you would have these little kids and you would put them in a room and uh, each kid individually, and you would present to them treats, different treats. And the treats varied. It could be a marshmallow. Sometimes it was a pretzel. Sometimes it would would be a cookie or whatever. And the basic idea, and again, there were a few different variations of this, even back in the day, uh, back back then, that the, the experimenter would say to the child, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to sit here for 15 minutes and we're going to put these treats in front of you. And if you are able to wait a full 15 minute while we go away and out of this room, you will be able to eat not only this treat, but you'll be able to get two treats. And how, and if you want your choice, you can just forego that second treat and you can eat the first treat. So they did all kinds of different things like what would cause the hindrance of delayed gratification, what would cause uh more increased likelihood of delayed gratification. What if we had the treat in front of the child? What if we took the treat away from the child and just told them about the treat? All kinds of different things. Subsequent studies in later years wanted to take this experiment a little bit further and see if there was some sort of correlation between the ability for a child to exhibit delayed gratification and future future success in life, like as higher SAT scores or future job um success or all kinds of different things. And indeed, they did find that there was a correlation between children who were able to exhibit delayed gratification and future success in life or higher SAT scores. But then upon further review in later studies, uh, this causal causal relationship or correlation came under review and, and people saw that it wasn't so simple. And in fact, this might, there might have been a lot of other, it's a little bit more complex. Like, may, basically, they found that when they controlled for socioeconomic background and initial intelligence levels, then this correlation went away. So, basically, what this is basically saying is that do you, 
kids who have delayed gratification, is it because of this trait of delayed gratification that this is what makes them successful in life? Or is it that children that come from a more privileged home where their parents are more successful and they've inherited higher intelligence, maybe they are just better able at displaying delayed gratification. But either way, the really the it doesn't really change the phenomenon that there is something positive obviously about delayed gratification whether it's a cause or effect kind of thing. You know, and that there is something to this trait of having delayed gratification that really does help a person achieve success in life. I mean, if you really think about it, it's kind of common sense, right? Even in terms of that really small experiment, uh, logically speaking, if your goal is to get as many treats as possible as a child, then the common sense logical thing to do is wait the 15 minutes, get the two treats rather than eat that one treat (laughs) right away, right? So anyway, so let's get into the Tanya where that is exactly the topic of today. And Obviously, you know, in the Tanya, we're getting into it in a more spiritual way. So it's more about it's it's less about what our own personal like gain is. Do we get so many, how many treats can we get and that kind of thing? But it's more about the virtue of of uh, delayed gratification in its own right, and how this is something that really should be strived for in its own right. So, and the reason why this is coming up now is because if you recall what we've been discussing so far in the Tanya lately is in this chapter is just like the whole idea of inhibiting our negative and inappropriate thoughts. So like the focus has been really more on things that are like outright inappropriate, like things that we really, really should not indulge in and really learning how to repress these thoughts and repress these actions and really come to a sense of self-control within ourselves. But the topic today is really taking it a step further than that, where it's saying that what the ultra is expecting of us and what is expected of a Bainani, which is this person that we're all trying to be, is not only to be able to control yourself to such an extent that you don't do things that are outright wrong or inappropriate, but even those things that are okay, that are permissible, that are fine or that are more neutral, we should still have a sense of self-control in those areas of life. So whether it's about eating, whether it's about speaking, really every aspect of our life, we want to be living in a more, you know, nowadays the term mindfulness is very, is very, uh, very popular. So it's like we basically want to be living a mindful life. We want to be living with a sense of consciousness where we're not just acting out on our impulses and behaving in just very impulsive ways. But we want to at all times, ideally come to a state where every action that we do is coming from a place of more it has a more methodical nature to it. There's there's a little bit more mindfulness involved in it. And as we'll see, the more we practice doing this uh, practice of delayed gratification, the easier it will become. So while the struggle will never totally dissipate, because as we've already explained, uh, we are not Tzadikim, and for the vast majority of us, we'll never become Tzadikim. Nevertheless, even on the level of a you know, a regular human and a Benoni, who's an ideal version of a regular human, through this practice of delayed gratification, we can slowly begin to actually transform ourselves from the inside as well. And we'll, we'll see how the Altarpa explains it. So let's get into the text. So the Altarpa says, so he says, and not only, but even the things that are permissible, totally com- permissible, everything time that a person sacrifices their impulses, even for a small moment, and he has the intention of subduing the the Sitra 
Ahra, the other side that is found in this left ventricle of the heart that we talked about. And again, go back to future to previous episodes to learn more about what that means. But basically, when we sacrifice this, these impulses, these that we have. So, for example, what's an example that the algebra gives? That a person wants to eat, and they delay their meal for one or two hours. And instead, they involve themselves in tourist study during that time. So as it says in the Gemara, that the the fourth hour is the time of eating for every man, and the sixth hour is the time of eating for a Talmud Chacham. So the Gemara, and this is from Shabbos, Masechet Shabbos, uh, page 10a, if anybody's interested. So the Gemara basically is teaching us the virtue of delayed gratification when it comes to eating, that there's something virtuous about delaying your meal for a couple of hours. And so these Talmud Chachamim would starve themselves for two hours for this intention. And this was the case, even though after eating, they would still learn all day long. So it's not like, you know, they didn't have time to learn. <laughs> Their whole day was about learning, but yet they still, just for the sake of this, the delayed gratification, they would delay their meal for two hours. And this is the same thing if a person stops their mouth from talking about things that a person uh, really likes. So things having to do with like worldly matters or even thoughts that are just kind of mundane kind of thought. So even this like slight sub- subjugation of this type of thing is, which is like, you know, it's just like a, a, a slight subjugation that happens here. You know, like a person like holds themselves back from indulging in kind of useless things. This causes this ascension of the glory of God to ascend on high, as we discussed about previously. So what the ultra Rebbe basically is teaching us here is that there's something very virtuous and powerful about delayed gratification for its own sake. So where we've learned previously in this chapter that there's definitely something virtuous, which makes a lot of sense. Um, if you think about it in to repressing negative thoughts and to repressing things that are outright counterproductive or, or um, destructive, but here the ultra is taking it a step further that even thoughts that are permissible and even actions that are permissible and speech that's permissible, there's something virtuous about just learning how to delay your gratification and be and and develop a sense of self-control in all of these matters. So this might sound very like intense, like kind of like very controlling, like you want to be this really controlling kind of person. But I don't think that that's how we should think about it. I think it's like more, again, to kind of use a more popular term nowadays is to live with a sense with a with a kind of mindfulness to make sure that every one of your actions at all time to the best of your ability is done in a mindful way that you're not just living in this like very reactive kind of way, but you are living in a more proactive kind of way. If you want to think it, think about it that way, that every single action and speech and thought that you have is very intentional and it's coming from a place that's of intentionality within you. Then the ultra goes on here and he says that from this holiness, so which holiness? This is the holiness that got elevated when we subdued our Yitzhahara. So there's, we said the glory of God and his holiness rose up. So from this holiness that rose up is drawn down a supernal holiness to man below to help him out in his service of God. And then the ultra bus here cites the Gemara in Masechet Yoma, page 39a, where it says that if a person sanctifies themselves a little bit below, then they are sanctified, then God sanctifies them greatly above. 
And so meaning to say that like, you know, we just do a little bit, we do our part and then God will respond and he will sanctify us much more above. And this is aside from the fact that ultra bit continues on that you are actually fulfilling a positive commandment when you sanctify yourself. So in the Torah in Vaikra chapter 20, verse seven, there is a phrase, which there, there's a part of a verse where it says, that you should be holy. So there is a positive commandment in its own right, regardless of the consequences of it, that we are supposed to be holy. But then there's like this added nice benefit that not only should we just be holy because God tells us to be holy and sanctify ourselves, which as we've learned means to kind of develop this level of like self-restraint and self-control, but it actually creates an effect on high. And then this effect on high comes back to us. It like boomerangs back to us and it helps us out in our service. So when we sanctify ourselves with what we're, what is permissible for us. So the altar over here defines what that means. So what does it mean that you sanctify yourself and make yourself holy? This means that even though you are not actually holy and you're not actually separate from the Sitra Ahra, because this Sitra Ahra, this, this, uh, these negative impulses are actually still very, very strong as they were at birth in your left ventricle of your heart. So if you go back earlier on in the Tanya, we talked about this, how we all have within our left ventricle of the heart, this like heated animal soul that resides there that is kind of strays us and leads us towards destructive, negative kind of things. So the ultra was saying we did not eradicate that. That's still within us. However, nevertheless, we are still supposed to act as if we're holy, as if we don't have this thing. And so we are, we have conquered our, uh, our impulse and we sanctify ourselves in this way. So the impulse is there, the negative impulses are still there, but we're acting, this is the faking it part. We are acting as if it's not there. We are pushing it aside. And so thus we became, become sanctified. So, and what does this mean by the fact that thus we become sanctified is that then if we do this, if we act in this way, if we act in this holy sanctified kind of way, in the end, we actually will become holy and sanctified and uh, truly separated from the Sitra Akhra through this, that God sanctifies us greatly from above and help us out to push aside from our heart little by little. So that is the end of this section, the end of this chapter. So just kind of to sum it up and bring it back to what we were talking about before is so basically what the ultra is teaching us here is that we all, he's, he's being very real. He's saying to us, I know that you guys all have negative impulses. That's not your fault. This is something we're all born with. We were all born in such a manner that we have an animal soul inside of us and it leads us in all kinds of different directions, not usually not in the most positive ways. And that's okay. That is, that's how God made us. Nevertheless, what our job is to do is to sanctify ourselves. And what does that mean to sanctify ourselves? It means that we need to tell that animal who's boss. We need to take control of our impulses, take control of our bodies and say, Yes, I know you're there. I know you're screaming screaming loudly from within and you want to do all these things and you want me to act on all these impulses. I'm not going to let you. I'm going to push you down and I'm going to take control. And when we do that, when we act as if we are holy, even if we're not actually on the inside, then God responds in kind and God helps us out. And God says, 
you know what, I'm going to, I see this effort that you're doing and it actually, and, and it's, and it's a real thing. It's, it's like this real effect that our actions, this little bit that we do, there's a mirror effect above that this causes this subdual of the, of the negative forces above. And this causes this like overflowing empowerment, empowering force of holiness from above, from on high to come down into us and help us out. And little by little, we actually will start to see real changes on the inside from the inside. So if you go back to, you know, what I ta- I talked about previously, I know I often talk about my yoga practice and uh, and my contortion practice and those kind of things and how it can be very frustrating sometimes because you don't really see progress always. And there may be months and months and months where you don't really see a lot of progress. You don't really get that next pose. And um, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about how the effort is really the point and that you kind of just are supposed to be in that effort, whether we're talking about yoga, deal or whether we're talking about serving God, God wants us to fight. God wants us to just continuously be in the struggle. And that is our actual purpose. Nevertheless, the altar of a here is giving us a little bit of a redeeming factor. He's saying, your efforts are not really in vain. If you do this enough, God will respond in kind. So same way, just like, again, in my yoga practice, it may be day after day after day after day of effort and no return and no improvement and no improvement really for months and months and months. And it's very frustrating. But little by little, you do see improvements. And little by little, you do get that next pose. So so to hear the altar is saying that it's... It, it, this does happen. We work and we work and we work and we try to better ourselves and we try to work on ourselves and we push aside our negative impulses and eventually not through our own efforts alone, but we kind of are gifted this like present from our hot on high due to the small effort that we made. So I hope that was somewhat enlightening and uh, that is the end of this chapter and tomorrow we're going to move on to chapter 28. I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.